0: guys and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Haley and welcome to episode
0: 15. I literally can't believe it's 15. I know. That means in 15 more weeks it's going to be 30 and then it'll be forever, you know?
1: Yeah, it already is forever. What are you talking about? <laughs> so guys, today we're going to talk about a few different things. We ended class this past... Thursday. Yeah, and when you'll be listening to this on a Monday... That will be
0: our last two contracts and property classes.
1: And then it's on to finals. I'm excited. Me too. I'm ready to.
0: But are we really excited? I don't know. I think I'm excited to prepare for them, but I'm not really excited to take the actual test.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, though, at this point, if we just put our best foot forward. We'll
0: be doing good. So next week we have a really special episode. It's our first interview with New York City attorney Anna Radke. Um, she's written for Harper's Bazaar, been in Vogue, Elle, Glamour, all the cool magazines, um, and she predominantly focuses on fashion law. So we're going to be interviewing her and you know chatting with her. So keep um, keep your eyes peeled for that. It'll be. heavily instagrammed
1: yeah we're going to talk to her next week i'm really excited about it like you said she does fashion law and with it being our 15th episode we thought it's time to start doing some interviews so stay tuned for that guys so We are, like we said, ending classes. We finished our last assignment in LRW, Legal Research and Writing, and it was an assignment where we listened to oral arguments, answer a few questions about it. When we were doing that, we listened to one, and it's called Adoptive Couple versus Baby Girl. We're going to play you a clip right here. But the reason that it was so inspiring is because one of the only females that argued one. So we're going to play that for you guys, and then we're going to talk about it. We'll hear argument first this morning in case 12-399, adoptive couple versus baby girl.
0: Ms. Black. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. All
1: parties agree that even if the birth father is a parent under the Indian Child Welf- Welfare Act, the state court decision below awarding custody to the father must nonetheless be reversed unless sections 1912, D, or F create custodial rights that the father concededly does not have under state law. Are
0: you suggesting, I don't know that the parties, I know that the government has said that F doesn't apply to the father, but D does, so there's not a full concession on your point. But putting that aside, if it is a father who has visitation rights and exercising all of his support obligations, is it your position that, that because that father is not a custodian, he has no protections whatsoever under D or E? The state can come and take the child away from an unfit mother or father, if, if they're the ones with custody, and that responsible parent who only has... Visiting rights has no protections under DERF? Well, under state law. And I'm not asking about state law. I'm right. I about think federal law.
1: Yes, federal law, which requires custodial rights, would protect a father who has uh, visitation, i.e., custodial rights under state law. So, in other words, that—that that is to say, if the well, father he, is. He, he doesn't talk about custodial rights. I do think that F talks about continuing. Okay, so let's talk about D because I think we are in agreement. So you kind of hear from the beginning Lisa Blatt. That's who we're going to talk about today. And I mean, excuse me, she opens up her oral argument. You can hear her say, Chief Justice, may it please the court. And that's what we talked about last week with the oral arguments. I think it's cool to just hear that. I don't know how many of you guys have ever like sat down and listened to that. I think listening, listening to oral arguments on OES is actually like kind of cool. But yeah, Lisa Blatt is...
0: Well, I think maybe we can start off with adoptive couple okay. versus baby girl. So just a quick little you know, short blurb of what that is. It's so the client prevailed in a child custody dispute involving the federal Indian child welfare act. And the case marked only the second time the Supreme court had considered the scope of ICWA and baby girl was reunited with her adoptive parents. So that's what the case she was arguing
1: about. Yeah. And you can hear her in that clip say that it should be reversed and ultimately it was. Mm -hmm. So she won. Yeah. So I think it's kind of crazy though. I just want to say about right out of the gate, Sonia Sotomayor is saying like, okay, well, I already read your brief. I already know like what you're going to say. Like I have a question for you, Mm -hmm. you know, because we practice oral arguments and like that wasn't the case, you know, we never just right out of the gate, but I think it just proves like Supreme Court. They know, they're they're in there
0: and they're like, all right, let's just get to the
1: point, you know? They're like, yeah, we read your briefs, but this is what we want to know. Like, Mm -hmm. tell me this, 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 yeah.
0: So Lisa went to UT Austin for her bachelor's and her JD. Yeah,
1: Texas girl. So she's a Texas gal. Yeah, that's really exciting. And she has ultimately argued 39 cases Before the United States Supreme Court. Well,
0: I think that makes sense because she did clerk for Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. So like she definitely had her foot in the door early on.
1: Yeah. And out of those 39 cases that she argued, she's won 36 of them and one is pending as of right now.
0: And if anyone knows that, like that's insane. Yeah. That's That's not like every lawyer
1: her voice and her tone, I really liked it. And she just, right out of the gate, was just like, that should be reversed.
0: Well, I think she just is so confident. She knows the law clearly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that when someone goes up there and they're knowledgeable, they know all the facts, they know it just like the back of their hand, like you're most likely going to look like the more experienced one slash more trusting, yeah, you know. and For sure. Ben when.
1: Well, I just want to make a note too that like, Whenever she, she was, she clerked for the Honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg when, she, when RBG was at the Court of Appeals in D.C. So, oh. like, she was with her before she they was. They were, like,
0: her. besties.
1: That's kind of cool, right? That is. Like, women supporting women. Yeah. Hobby.
0: She probably got her the gig.
1: I mean, we don't know. This is all speculation. I mean, she has really high grades. So, like, when you have really high grades and you're very, very intelligent in the law, judges seek you out and they want you to clerk for them. I mean, this is evidently a situation that she got herself into, and that's really freaking
0: cool. And UT is a really good school. Yes. That's a feat in itself.
1: Yeah, she's litigated a lot of different cases, but she is a woman who has litigated in front of the Supreme Court. And I think sometimes whenever we talk about and think about women and female attorneys you know you kind of think like oh who who else is there out there but this is a woman that is should be uh, noted
0: yeah I mean I personally hadn't heard from her like about her yeah ever until we got assigned to this so it makes me really excited to have our first attorney interview next week and it makes me excited to kind of show y'all you know some really cool women who have done really cool things with their careers and they all are in the law
1: i want to make a note too something that lisa blatt said was that female lawyers can come across as less combative and less confident than male lawyers at the u.s supreme court and two reasons why that they have not achieved the parity with the male advocates there because they come across as less confident like that's I mean, it's just so ironic that, like, everyone else that was arguing in an adopted couple versus baby girl was a male. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and she they were won't. not as good.
1: No, they weren't. I mean, I really encourage you to go listen to that. It's a yeah, really good oral argument.
0: It's free to listen to. On, oh, can, yes, we're going
1: to put in the show notes.
0: Yeah, there's so many. We had to listen to one that was Miller versus Alabama. Which was a juvenile case, you know. Should juveniles be able to get life sentence without parole mm-hmm. or even the death penalty? Like, yeah. where's the cutoff in the age, you yeah. know?
1: And that's the lawyer that is in the movie, Just Mercy. Like, that's the advocate, the first argument. Mm -hmm. whenever you go on the show notes the appellant yeah that is the lawyer that is depicted in just mercy which is such a good movie so yeah we just wanted to start by talking about her and you know just give you guys some information that y'all can you know follow up on tell y'all about our interview and
0: now on to some questions from your dms because you guys our you know thank you for dming us you give us a ton of content to work with every week yeah. so we keep it up
1: yeah for sure so we got some questions after our last episode about finals and um you know just trying to whittle through and go through what exactly finals means and One of our listeners asked us about the main differences between taking undergrad exams and law school exams. What do you think?
0: Okay, so I was a political science major, and honestly, I didn't have many tests to take except Mm -hmm. for in a few electives, but they were like not important. Like, I didn't have to study for them most of the time. Like, I could sit down and study for maybe two hours, and I can pull out a really good grade. So I haven't found that to be the same as law school. Like, I'm not just writing essays at leisurely time to turn it in at the end of the semester. Um, It's just not like that. I mean, you're also learning everything during the semester, and everything is up for grabs on the exam. And I think an undergrad, you know, you have a midterm, and then you might have a test, and then a final, and it's not maybe cumulative, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they are quite different. I really only had one class that we had kind of like everything was up for grabs at the end Mm -hmm. with one exam, but no, I mean, they're just really different in my opinion than my major.
1: I would have to agree. I mean, I did a lot of projects. I had a lot of speeches. I did a ton of group projects, like just teamwork, making things happen, because I think in PR and digital media and advertising everything. You're going to work on a lot of teams, you know? So that's what they kind of geared you towards. Taking tests was like, I mean, I took tests in college, but in undergrad, but like you're saying, it wasn't anything like that. I truly had to study for The craziest thing is my mass comm law class was like one of, I remember pulling an all nighter for that class to study for one of the tests. So, I mean, I think if that's a representative. Mm-hmm. I think that would tell you like that. And the reason I had to was because there was so much information, Yeah, which is,
0: Exactly what it is now. 10 yeah, is 10. Probably. Exactly. Now
1: you're, like, trying to be learn for the bar and learn this information so you can be a good attorney and you, too, want to know it. And it's not, like, super easy. So
0: Very true. I mean, I think... Uh, I know some schools have actual pre-law, like, majors and
1: stuff. Yeah. My
0: school didn't. Um, but maybe if you did one of those... Or maybe, like, a...
1: I know we had a group and they, like, maybe practice. I, just, I didn't really you know I wasn't 100% about going to law school and undergrad so I didn't join a group like that but. yeah
0: I mean I think even at this point in college like junior year if I had changed to pre-law if we even had that at UGA which I'm 100% we don't I still would have just kept my major and kept on going on you know yeah same. so I don't know that's kind of like yeah sorry we can yeah, It's just a different experience. I mean, there's people out there that were English majors that, like me, just probably did essays all the time, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of our friends was an English major. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it makes you good at taking your exams in law school in the sense that you're good at writing and you're good at answering the question and being succinct and mm-hmm. specific and maybe having that broader vocabulary. So, I mean, I would that's say, one of the positives.
0: Yeah. And I would say that the most... Similar experience testing-wise for, like, a law school exam is probably the LSAT. I mean, it's, like, on a time crunch, you know, it's really using the law now, not a logic game, but you still have to work the law in a way to get your, you know, your answer to make
1: sense. Yeah, I think maybe we should just say what a law school exam is like. Yeah. So, basically, whenever we were in the classroom... We would go into our classrooms, we'd have to sit a space apart, and then we would download this software called Examify, which would lock down your computer, mm-hmm. and then they would pass around a printout of the like a question. Folder. Or it would be on your, let's say maybe it's on your computer, mm-hmm. and it would be, you know, maybe 20, what was the most multiple choice we ever had, 50? No. I think it was like 40. Four, okay, so maybe 40 multiple choice, and then two to five essays some of them you're only gonna have essays like for your contracts one we only had essay right
0: yeah oh no we did have multiple choice but it was like 10 or something also the essays can range from like a 10 minute essay that's supposed to be like really cut you know one paragraph long and then you might have like an hour and a half essay
1: which in an hour and a half essay means it's going to go through a lot of doctrine Mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of points that you need to hit so we got asked what are the top three qualities of a good outline and my first thing was start with your doctrine and I think this goes in perfectly because when you have those hour and a half essays it means you're going to like show how the facts relate to the doctrine that you learned in that class and you're going to basically apply those facts and That sounds so simple, but it will take you an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think there have been times where you sit down for three or four hours to take the exam and they come in and say five minutes and you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Also note that, like, the time frame on the essay, you know, if it says 10 minutes or an hour and a half, like you said, kind of points you in the direction of how long it should take you.
0: And no one's going to sit there and tell you how much longer you have really yeah. except for the five minutes so you actually have to keep track of your own time if like the essay says an hour and a half like be watching the clock and make sure you stay within an hour and a half and that's how it's like the LSAT exactly um but I think what was good about what you were saying before and how like you're you start with the doctrine and stuff mm-hmm. and I think for contracts specifically I know that we did a lot of flowcharts. yeah and I think that a great tip I would give cuz this is probably what helped me the most in contracts was I as soon as we sat down and got our blank pieces of paper like our scratch paper and we were able to start I just wrote out my flow charts yeah and then you can kind of go through the exam question if it's an essay and you just start checking off the boxes on your flow chart you know
1: no I totally agree that was actually on my list was charts and flow charts and visuals because it's just so helpful I think that that's why you did so good on contracts I mean just being able to have that is like so valuable so I totally agree finals man just talking about it it's just like exhausting
0: I know um I guess one of my super important ones is organization and I think that goes along with Haley's like doctrine Uh so I think this semester we've Made our outlines more doctrine based. Yeah. I think last semester we kind of got, you know, Come reeled the into cases. the Yeah, like yeah. cases like the trigger facts. Like, no, we didn't need to know all that because, yeah. you know what, they're only going to ask if you need to talk about something, you mentioned the big case that, you know, holds it all together. Yeah. And maybe a, a sprinkle or two if you have time of smaller cases that you can go back to. But,
1: yeah.
0: Honestly, the rule, the holding, Maybe the case name. You can get away in law school exams with being like, "Oh, the case about the train." Like, yeah, and the court with, held yeah, this. And the That's court held this. like yeah. you don't have to be like the plaintiff was this, the defendant was that. Like, and remember that does those not facts matter. where this
1: happened and la la la. Like, no, no, don't care, don't. Yeah, and if You're you do have your a time. professor that does care, because I know out there in law school there are some professors that care, you'll know. They'll tell you. You'll memorize that. Yeah, but... You won't know that later on in t- for the bar. Like, the doctor... mainly <laughs> exactly. like, The cases are just, like, these highlight cases that you m- know from law school because you got cold... Call- you know, I you mean, don't remember all of them. at the end of, of the day, them.
0: like, you're reading these cases to get the rule. Because these are the important rules for that category of law. Like, yeah. at the end of the day...
1: That doctrine.
0: You don't have to remember the plaintiff or the defendant, like... Just chill out. You just need the rule, the holding, case name. And if your professor says otherwise, do it.
1: Yeah, like you're saying, don't memorize. I think that that's... You're just going in there and... Don't memorize the whole case brief. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean... Yeah,
0: just... It's a waste of your time. Yeah,
1: 100%. And
0: right now, when you're trying to prep for finals, you don't want to be wasting your time. And I'm telling you, even if you are briefing cases still for class um just start making them shorter and then you know translate that to your outline as the semester goes
1: yeah so I would basically say our top three qualities would be start with the doctrine first Mm -hmm. be organized about it yes don't be afraid secondly don't be afraid of visuals charts flow charts a way to memorize it and organize it and see the big picture And then lastly, focus on the rule. What's the holding? You know, focus on that of the cases and sprinkle those in with your doctrine. And that's how you make a good outline.
0: Exactly. If you end up having an outline with some extra room on it, let's say you have a page limit. If you're in civil procedure, um, make sure you put a complaint in there.
1: (laughs) Just saying that's we got questioned about that
0: <laughs> it was the one thing that no one put in their outline because no one thought we were going to have to write out a complaint in the s es- like in the essay portion yeah. of the <laughs> exam and we turned to our civil procedure exam and it says all right uh write a complaint You're
1: like, Wait, like bare minimum
0: facts like go ahead
1: yeah it was crazy
0: i think that is it for today um you know send us more ideas and questions we love being able to give advice, even if it's not the best advice. We think it's the best advice.
1: Yeah. But um, <laughs> follow yeah, us on.
0: <laughs> we give each other advice, and I think we need to start learn, learning to take it, too, you know? Yeah. Because that's what they say, right? You, people who give advice never take their own advice but we are going to because i'm going to listen back to it and act like someone else is speaking to me and not myself you know yeah.
1: especially about finals right
0: <laughs> um follow us on our instagram at ladies who law school podcast and we also have a facebook with a facebook group coming soon maybe yes. m- you know so could be tomorrow to- could be three days from now so yeah. just be on the lookout
1: yeah so don't forget to like us on there at ladies who law school and rate and review us wherever you listen guys yes
0: and please keep on staying safe and washing your hands yeah all right
1: love you guys bye bye